Appendix A to the Life of Samuel Johnson, Volume 3. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Pamela Krantz. The Life of Samuel Johnson, Volume 3 by James Boswell. Appendix A. The alehouse in the city where Johnson used to go and sit with George Salmanazar, P-S-A-L-M-A-N-A-Z-A-R, was no doubt the club in Old Street, where he met also the metaphysical tailor, the uncle of Houle the poet. Salmanazar is mentioned a third time by Boswell in a passage borrowed from Hawkins' edition of Johnson's works, where it is stated that Johnson said, he had never seen the close of the life of any one that he wished so much his own to resemble as that of him for its purity and devotion he was asked whether he ever contradicted him i should as soon said he have thought of contradicting a bishop when he was asked whether he had ever mentioned formosa before him he said he was afraid to mention even china we learn from hawkins life of johnson that Salmanazar lived in Ironmonger Row, Old Street, in the neighborhood whereof he was so well known and esteemed, that, as Dr. Hawksworth once told me, scarce any person, even children, passed him without showing him the usual signs of respect. In the list of the writers of the universal history that Johnson drew up, a few days before his death, his name is given as the historian of the Jews, Gauls, and Spaniards. According to Mrs. Piazzi, his pious and patient endurance of a tedious illness, ending in an exemplary death, confirmed the strong impression his merit had made upon the mind of Mr. Johnson. It is so very difficult, said he always, for a sick man not to be a scoundrel. Johnson, in prayers and meditations, mentions him as a man whose life was, I think, uniform. Smollett, in Humphrey Clinker, describes him as one who, after having drudged half a century in the literary mill, in all the simplicity and abstinence of an Asiatic, subsists upon the charity of a few booksellers just sufficient to keep him from the parish. A writer in the Annual Register for 1764, speaking of the latter part of his life, says, He was concerned in compiling and writing works of credit, and lived exemplarily for many years. He died a few days before that memorable 16th day of May, 1763, when Boswell first met Johnson. It is a pity that no record has been kept of the club meetings in Ironmonger Row, for then we should have seen Johnson in a new light. Johnson in an alehouse club, with a metaphysical tailor on one side of him, and an aged writer on the other side of him, who spoke English with a city accent, and coarsely enough, and whom he would never venture to contradict, is a Johnson that we cannot easily imagine. Of the greater part of Salmanazar's life, we know next to nothing, little, I believe, beyond the few facts that I have here gathered together. His early years he has described in his memoirs. That he started as one of the most shameless impostors, and that he remained a hypocrite and a cheat till he was full forty, if not indeed longer, his own narrative shows that for many years he lived laboriously frugally and honestly seems to be no less certain how far his memoirs are truthful is somewhat doubtful 
in them he certainly confesses the impudent trick which he had played in his youth when he passed himself off as a formosan convert he wished he writes to undeceive the world by unravelling that whole mystery of iniquity he lays bare roguery enough and in a spirit it seems of real sorrow nevertheless there are passages which are not free from the leaven of hypocrisy and there are i suspect statements which are at least partly false johnson indeed looked upon him as little less than a saint but then as sir joshua reynolds tells us though johnson was not easily imposed upon by professions to honesty and candour he appeared to have little suspicion of hypocrisy in religion it was in the year seventeen o four that salmanazar published his historical and geographical description of formosa so gross is the forgery that it almost passes belief that it was widely accepted as a true narrative he gave himself out as a native of that island and a convert to christianity he lied so foolishly as to maintain that in the academies of formosa greek was studied he asserted also that in an island that is only about half as large as ireland eighteen thousand boys were sacrificed every year but his readers were for the most part only too willing to be deceived for in protestant england his abuse of the jesuits covered a multitude of lies ere he had been three months in london he was he writes cried up for a prodigy and not only the domestic but even the foreign papers had helped to blaze forth many things in his praise he was aided in his fraud by the rev dr innes or innes a clergyman of the english church who by means of his interesting convert pushed himself into the notice of compton bishop of london and before long was made chaplain-general to the english forces in portugal the same man as boswell tells us by another impudent cheat a second time obtained considerable promotion salmanazar's book soon reached a second edition besides the several versions it had abroad yet it is very dull reading just such a piece of work as might be looked for from a young man of little fancy but gifted with a strong memory nevertheless the author's credit lasted so long that for many years he lived on a subscription which was founded on a belief of his being a formosan and a real convert to the church of england he was even sent to oxford to study and had rooms in one of the colleges christ church if i mistake not it was not only as a student that he was sent by his dupes to that ancient seat of learning the bishop of london hoped that he would teach the formosan language to a set of gentlemen who were afterwards to go with him to convert those people to christianity while he was living the life of a lying scoundrel he was he says happily restrained by divine grace so that all sense of remorse was not extinguished and there was no fall into downright infidelity at length he picked up law's serious call which moved him as later on it moved better men step by step he got into a way of steady work and lived henceforth a laborious and honest life it was in the year seventeen twenty eight thirty-five years before his death that he began he says to write the narrative of his imposture a dangerous illness and the dread of death had deeply moved him and filled him with the desire of leaving behind a faithful narrative which would undeceive the world nineteen years later though he did not publish his narrative he made a public confession of his guilt 
in the unsigned article on formosa which he wrote in 1747 for bowen's complete system of geography he says salmanazar p s a l m a n a a z a a r so he had at one time written his name hath long since ingenuously owned the contrary of the truthfulness of his narrative though not in so public a manner as he might perhaps have done had not such an avowment been likely to have affected some few persons who for private ends took advantage of his youthful vanity to encourage him in an imposture which he might otherwise never had the thought much less the confidence to have carried on these persons being now dead and out of all danger of being hurt by it he now gives us leave to assure the world that the greatest part of that account was fabulous and that he designs to leave behind him a faithful account of that unhappy step and other particulars of his life leading to it to be published after his death in his memoirs he will not he writes give any account of his real country or family yet it is quite clear from his own narrative that he was born in the south of france his pronunciation of french had it was said a spice of the gascois accent and in that provincial dialect he was so masterly that none but those born in the country could excel him if a town can be found that answers to all that he tells of his birthplace his whole account may be true but the circumstances that he mentioned seem inconsistent the city in which he was born was twenty-four miles from an archiepiscopal city in which there was a college of jesuits and about sixty miles from a noble great city full of gentry and nobility of coaches and all kinds of grandeur the seat of a great university when he left the great city for avignon he speaks of himself as going down to avignon thence he started on a pilgrimage to rome and in order to avoid his native place after he had gone no great way he wheeled about to the left to leave the place at some twenty or thirty miles distance he changed his mind however and returned home thence he set off to join his father who was near five hundred miles off in germany the direct route was through the great university city in lyons his birthplace then if his account is true was on the road from avignon to rome sixty miles from a great university city and southwards of it for through this university city passed the direct road from his home to lyons it was moreover sixty miles from an archiepiscopal city i do not think that such a place can be found he says that he thought himself obliged out of respect to his country and family to conceal both it being but too common though unjust to censure them for the crimes of private persons the excuse seems unsatisfactory for he tells enough to show that he came from the south of france while for his family there was no need of care it was he writes ancient but decayed and he was the only surviving child of his father and mother he had heard nothing since he started on the career of a pious rogue they must have been dead very many years by the time his memoirs were given to the world his story shows that at all events for the first part of his life he had been one of the vainest of men and vanity is commonly found joined with a love of mystery he is not consistent moreover in his dates on april twenty third seventeen fifty two he was in the seventy-third year of his age so that he was born in either sixteen seventy nine or sixteen eighty when he joined his father he was hardly full sixteen years old 
yet it was a few years after the peace of Ryswick, which was signed on September 22, 1697. He was, he says, but near twenty when he wrote his history of Formosa. This was in the year 1704. With his father he stayed but a short time, and then set out rambling northwards. At Avignon, by shameless lying, he had obtained a pass, as a young student in theology of Irish extract, sick, who had left his country for the sake of religion. It was wonderful that his fraud had escaped detection there, for he had kept his own name, because it had something of quality in it. He now resolved on a more impudent pretense, for passing as an Irishman and a sufferer for religion, did not only, he writes, expose me to the danger of being discovered, but came short of the merit and admiration I had expected from it. He thereupon gave himself out as a Japanese convert, and forged a fresh pass, clapping to it the old seal. He went through different adventures, and at last enlisted in the army of the Elector of Cologne an unhappy herd, destitute of all sense of religion and shamefacedness. He got his discharge, but enlisted a second time, passing himself off for a Japanese and a heathen, under the name of Salmanazar, S-A-L-M-A-N-A-Z-A-R. Later on he altered it, he says, by the addition of a letter or two, to make it somewhat different from that mentioned in the Book of Kings. In his description of Formosa he wrote it, P-S-A-L-M-A-N-A-A-Z-A-A-R, and in later life, P-S-A-L-M-A-N-A-Z-A-R. In his vanity he invented an awkward show of worship, turning his face to the rising or setting sun, and pleased to be taken notice of for so doing. He had moreover the ambition of passing for a moral heathen. By way of singularity he next took to living altogether upon raw flesh, roots, and herbs. It was when he was on garrison duty at Sluys that he became acquainted with Innes, who was chaplain to a Scotch regiment that was in the pay of the Dutch. This man found in him a tool ready-made to his hand. He had at once seen through his roguery, but he used his knowledge only to plunge him deeper in his guilt. By working on his fears and his vanity, and by small bribes, he induced him to profess himself a convert to the Church of England, and to submit to baptism. He brought him over to London, and introduced him to the Bishop of London, and to Tennyson, Archbishop of Canterbury. Salmanazar spoke Latin fluently, but his grace had either forgotten his, or being unused to the foreign pronunciation, was forced to have it interpreted to him by Dr. Innes in English. The young impostor everywhere gave himself out as a Formosan, who had been entrapped by a Jesuit priest, and brought to Avignon. There I could expect, he wrote, no mercy from the inquisitors, if I had not in hypocrisy professed their religion. He was kept, he says, in a kind of custody, but I trusted under God to my heels. It was Innes who made him write this history. In the confession of his fraud, Salmanazar seems to keep back nothing. His repentance appears to be sincere, and his later life, there can be little question, was regular. Yet, as I have said, even his confessions apparently are not free from the old leaven of hypocrisy. It is indeed very hard, if not altogether impossible, for a man who has passed forty years, and more as a lying hypocrite altogether, to clear his mind of Kant. 
in writing of the time when he was still living the life of a lying scoundrel he says i have great reason to acknowledge it the greatest mercy that could befall me that i was so well grounded in the principles and evidence of the christian religion that neither the conversation of the then freethinkers as they loved to style themselves and by many of whom i was severely attacked nor the writings of hobbes spinoza etc against the truth of divine revelation could appear to me in any other light than as the vain efforts of a dangerous set of men to overturn a religion the best founded and most judiciously calculated to promote the peace and happiness of mankind both temporal and eternal two pages further on he writes a little boastfully it seems of having had some sort of gallantry with the fair sex with many of whom even persons of fortune and character of sense wit and learning i was become he continues a great favorite and might if i could have overcome my natural sheepishness and fear of a repulse have been more successful either by way of matrimony or intrigue he goes on i may truly say that hardly any man who might have enjoyed so great a variety ever indulged himself in so few instances of the unlawful kind as i have done he concludes this passage in his writings by thankfully acknowledging that there must have been some secret providence that kept me from giving such way to unlawful amours as i might otherwise have done to the ruin of my health circumstances etc when he came to wish for an honest way of life he was beset with difficulties what a deadly wound he writes must such an unexpected confession have given to my natural vanity and what a mortification would it have been to such sincere honest people as my friends to hear it from my mouth this was natural enough that he long hesitated like a coward on the brink is not to be cast in his teeth seeing that at last he took the plunge but then in speaking of the time when he weakly repeated and to use his own words as it were confirmed anew his old falsehoods he should not have written that as the assurance of god's mercy gave me good grounds to hope so that hope inspired me with a design to use all proper means to obtain it and leave the issue of it to his divine providence the only proper means to obtain god's mercy was at once to own to all the world that he had lied it is only the tartuffes and the holy willies who whilst they persist in their guilt talk of leaving the issue to the divine providence of god since this appendix was in type i have learnt through the kindness of mr c e doble the editor of hearn's remarks and collections edition eighteen eighty five that a passage in that book confirms my conjecture that salmanazar was lodged in christ church when at oxford hearn says july nine seventeen o six mr topping of christ church also tells me that salmanazar s-a-l-m-a-n-e-z-z-e-r the famous formosan when he left christ church where he resided while in oxen left behind him a book wherein a distinct account was given of the consular and imperial coins by himself mr doble also pointed out to me in the first edition of the spectator the following passage at the end of number fourteen advertisement on the first of april will be performed at the playhouse in the haymarket an opera called the cruelty of atreus notabene 
the scene wherein thyestes eats his own children is to be performed by the famous mr salmanazar p s a l m a n a z a r lately arrived from formosa the whole supper being set to kettledrums end of appendix a recording by pamela krantz